he had actually closed two deals with that broker before. So he had a relationship with them. So that's important. Even after doing one deal, we're just getting a lot more attention from brokers. So that's helped. It starts snowballing really fast. Best ever listeners, before today's episode, I want to invite you to join us in Keystone, Colorado, February 20th through 22nd. It is the 2020 Best Ever Conference. And not only do I want to invite you to join us, I want to invite you to earn 15% for every ticket that you're responsible for selling should you join as an affiliate for the conference. Great way to earn money. And also, if you're planning on attending, great way to pay for your ticket, essentially. You get enough sales. So you can go to BEC20.com. And in the top left corner, it says earn 15% as an affiliate. You can click that, join the affiliate program, and you got all the resources that you need to share the good word about the Best Ever Conference in Keystone, Colorado. And we will be talking more about this on future episodes. But for now, go check out BEC20.com and that affiliate page. You can earn 15% as an affiliate, and we will see you in Keystone, Colorado. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm your host today, Theo Hicks, and today we'll be speaking with Gary Lipsky. Gary, how are you doing today? Very good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. I'm looking forward to the conversation and talking about what you got going on in your real estate business. So a little bit about Gary's background. He is the founder and president of Break of Day Capital, syndicates B and C class value add apartment opportunities in high population growth areas. I'm looking forward to learning more about that investment strategy. He is both a passive and active investor owning over 1,500 units based out of Los Angeles and you can Say hi to him at breakofdaycapital.com. So Gary, before we dive into the meat of the conversation, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah, I've always been an entrepreneur my whole life. I was shoveling driveways and auto detailing growing up in New Jersey. I owned a restaurant delivery service in college and co-produced three independent films in my 20s. I started an after-school business in Los Angeles, and we served over 9,000 students daily. But I always knew real estate was going to get me to where I wanted to be. When I looked around, the wealthy people either had their own businesses or owned real estate, and usually both. So when I even bought my first residence, I always was looking for value-add opportunities. And I kept finding houses that I can add value to and upgrading and moving into a nicer community for my kids. And I took advantage of the tax benefits and then was able to leverage that and turning it into some single family rentals and passively investing into real estate. And now, like you said, I owned over 1,500 units. And now I got into real estate full time a little over two and a half years ago. Of those over 1,500 units, what percentage are you passive investor? What percentage have you syndicated yourself? Passively, I would say about 90%. I have a 76-unit deal that I was a key principal on in Crowley, Texas, and a 42-unit in Tucson, and most recently signed an LOI for a 128-unit in Phoenix that I'm working on. So the 76, 42, and 128, those are your active deals? Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, talk about passive investing first, and then we can dive into the active investing. So I know a pretty common question that I see a lot is how do you not find a syndicator because it's pretty easy to find a syndicator to invest with these days, but 
What's your process for vetting a syndicator? What would your advice be to someone who is doing their first deal? And there's hundreds and hundreds of syndicators out there these days. So there are some things they should be looking at. It does get overwhelming in the beginning because you just don't know what to look for. So I would look at a lot of deals and learn from the different prospectuses to see how are people underwriting, get to know the sponsor. I mean, I have some friends that even go out, they've driven across country to meet with all the different sponsors to vet them before investing, which I love. I did not do that, but that's one strategy. So once you start looking at a few different properties in the same area, you could start seeing the differences and seeing what reversion cap rate they're using. How are they adding the value add? Does it make sense? Do the comp support it? So you start getting a feel. The more deals you see, the better acclimated you get. So those are some things to actually look for that they're doing in order to pick them to make sure they're doing things properly. Are there any red flags you can think of where if you're talking to a syndicator and they say something or you see something and you're automatically like, whoa, 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 something is amiss here. I'm definitely not investing with this person. Yeah, it's surprising how many sponsors are wary of answering questions or don't have answer in a way that it's okay if you don't know the answer, just get back to me and give me the right response versus just saying something where you don't know the right answer or if they start backing away from the questions. When you converse with a sponsor, you start getting a feel, do I trust them or not? To me, that could be a red flag if you don't feel like they're being completely honest. Yeah, I actually talked to a past investor where he would purposefully ask questions that he knew the answers to, but he wanted to see how they would reply to it just to see if they would say, hey, I don't know the answer to this, but I'll get back to you, or if they'll kind of start BSing a response. So yeah, that's definitely a red flag. And again, I'm not sure if you've ever invested with someone where it's their first deal, but I guess the question is, would you ever invest with someone who has not raised capital before, or would you only invest with someone who's done 10, 20 syndicated deals already? So I guess the question is, if I'm a syndicator, I've maybe done a few multifamily deals on my own, what would be something I would have to do in order to have you invest in my first syndication deal? Or is there nothing I could do? Well, so that's the exact experience that I had to go through as the first time syndicator. So what I'm looking for as a syndicator who might not have done any deals before, had they run businesses before? Because if they have, then they can use that experience to translate into real estate, particularly multifamily, where you're running a business, you're building teams, how you communicate with people, how you follow up and hold people accountable. Those are all experiences that you could take from previous businesses. And that's what I used when I started out. Okay, let's transition into talking about your first syndication deal. So 76 unit, 42 units. Do you want to tell us a little bit about some of the steps you had to take before you started finding those deals? So any team members you had to find? Did you find the capital first? Verbal commitment wise, did you have financing lined up from a bank? What are some of the things you did before that you went out and found your first deal? Or did you just find your first deal and then figure all that stuff out later? I was looking at smaller deals in the beginning and realized I needed to go bigger and with the team. So the 76 unit I was a key principal on. So I signed on the loan, I invested some money, and I was able to learn from the sponsors. And they kind of walked me through everything and, and be a part of the process. So that was a, a really good education for me. And then on the 42 unit, that's when I'm raising money. My business partner found the deal. We constantly underwrote it, checked the comps, kept evaluating it, and felt strongly enough by having that other person to bounce back the ideas, which was really important to have that level of confidence. When doing it on your own, particularly in the beginning, you think it's a good deal, but being able to run it by someone and going through the process really helps. 
have that confidence to level up and, hey, you're not crazy and you're not doing anything foolish. Yeah, exactly. So that 76 unit, you were on the GP because you were the loan guarantor, invested in capital, and I'm sure you learned a ton from that process. Yeah. And I know a lot of people might not have the net worth liquidity in order to do that. But on the second deal, you were able to raise capital. You mentioned you had a business partner, so I'll ask you about that in a second. But how much money did you have to raise for that deal? And how did you raise that capital? Like, who was it from? How did you position the deal to them, it being your first time raising capital? Yeah, we raised just over a million dollars. And it was friends and family, people that I had done business with previously and trusted me, knowing that I had been successful before. But yeah, it's not an easy process your first time. But what you're doing is sharing an opportunity and something that you really believe in. And people buy into that opportunity when they look at other places where they're going to put their money and they see that this is a great opportunity with amazing tax benefits. They were excited to be a part of it. And you mentioned the benefit of the partner. Obviously it is possible to do a syndication deal by yourself, but you need to make sure you know how to do everything. And, and most people don't know how to do everything. And so from what I've seen, it's you got kind of like the numbers guy and then the networking guy. So someone focus on the relationships, raising capital, other person at their computer, crunching numbers and underwriting the deals and maybe asset managing it. What advice do you have, A, on finding a partner, and then B, on vetting that partner? It's spending time with them and seeing if they have the same values as you. Do you trust them? How they look at deals? It's a process that you build over time. And the guy I'm partnering with, we kept running into each other at meetups. So developing a rapport over time. And we were both interested in a property together. So we went out there together and looked at it. And over time, it was clicking. I appreciated how hard he worked and I can rely on him. And that was really important to me. And obviously he felt the same way about me. How did you find the 40 unit deal? And how did you find the deal you're currently working on that 128 unit deal? So the 42 unit deal, my business partner was already out there in Tucson and it hadn't even come on the market yet. He was the first one to see it. So that's how we actually got it. It's certainly not the sexiest looking building, but tremendous value on opportunity. And it's in that 42 range, which is maybe a little bit bigger than some of the small players and smaller than some of the bigger players. So it was that middle ground, which was nice. But the 128 unit, one of the guys that came in on our 42 unit deal, he works full time, but he got this deal because he had done business with the broker previously. He sent to my business partner and I got a text at like 12.30 in the day. He's like, we're going to Phoenix tomorrow at 3 a.m. I'll talk to you later. So this deal was going to market and we wanted to be the first ones to see this. So we drove out from LA, 3 a.m. and checked out the comps, walked every inch of this property. I was underwriting the deal on the computer the whole way back, five hours back to LA and, and just going through every single scenario. And we thought this was a great opportunity. So we got it by out hustling others and being one of the first to see it. And we didn't get into a bidding war. We aggressively went after this property, trying to avoid best and final because I've been in best and final a number of times and have lost. And I thought this was a really good opportunity. And if we could take it down right from the beginning, then let's try to do that. So both those deals were off market. That second 128 unit was, you said that someone who invested in the first deal knew the broker and then sent you that opportunity and then you were able to get it before it went to market, right? 
Yeah, he had actually closed two deals with that broker before, so he had a relationship with them. So that's important. Even after doing one deal, we're just getting a lot more attention from brokers. So that's helped. It starts snowballing really fast. So it's been really nice. Yeah. And that fourth unit that was off market through your business partner, was that also through a broker relationship? No, certainly he's looked at properties with the broker before, but he really didn't have that strong of a relationship. It was right time, right place. So we're able to grab it. All right, Gary, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? I would say out hustle and be creative on solutions. It's worked for me in all of my businesses in the past and it's worked in real estate as well. Do you want to give us an example of a creative solution? Maybe not real estate related, but one of your earlier businesses. Let's go with the, if you can think of anything, you said you, you made some films. That's pretty interesting. What are some creative solutions you had for that? I'm sure that was. Uh, sorry, for, for what? You said you created films when you were in college. Is that you, right? Oh, uh, uh, yeah, in my, in my 20s. Well, the company that was handling one of my foreign distribution sales, they were going under. And I said, we had a deal with Germany for 50000 for the rights for the film. And I said, give me the number of the person. I'll get that money myself. And I would wake up 4 a.m. and just call every single morning for like two months. And I got fully paid. And most people were like, Germany never pays or they give you a discount and I got the full amount after two months just calling myself. Yeah, that's definitely hustling right there. Yeah. All right, Gary, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Yeah, let's do it. All right, first, a quick word from our sponsor. Best ever listeners, go to BEC20.com. Look in the top left-hand corner. You can earn 15% as an affiliate. You can join the affiliate program and participate in the conference that way and basically earn a free ticket to the conference, BEC20.com. Have you heard about the latest podcast for entrepreneurs called Tough Decisions? Listen to Dan and Danae Hanford as they interview successful people from around the world about tough decisions as entrepreneurs. Visit toughdecisions.net and be sure to subscribe to their free weekly entrepreneurial email. That's toughdecisions.net. All right, what's the best ever book you've recently read? Millionaire Fast Lane by DJ DeMarco. If your business were to collapse today, what would you do next? Well, I would reflect and learn from what went wrong and get back right at it again. Besides your first deal and your most recent deal, what's the best ever deal you've done? I'd have to say my personal residence right now. I bought it and I knew it was a great value add opportunity and fixed it up. And within a couple of months, the value went up a quarter million dollars. What about your worst deal? Worst deal had to be student housing. We bought this as a passive investor and they just built up too much student housing in that area. So now we're struggling over there. What is the best ever way you'd like to give back? I founded a core educational services and it was 2006. So we service underserved youth in LA and we've had a tremendous impact over the last 13 plus years. And then lastly, what's the best ever place to reach you? You can reach me at gary at breakofdaycapital.com or visit my website as well. Okay. And, and for break, that's B-R-E-A-K. Um, Correct. Thank you. All right, Gary. Well, I really appreciate it. Very insightful conversation I've had with you today. Uh, just to summarize what we talked about so far. So we talked about first, your passive investing. And we just discussed some of the things to look for when you're vetting a syndicator or just how to become a passive investor in general. And we talked about how you just look at a ton of deals underwrote them, just kind of just see the different ways, different sponsors, underwrite deals, look at deals, revenue cap rates, how they're adding value, how they're finding their comps, their comps make sense. 
you mentioned that you had a buddy who literally drove across the country to meet all these people. So that's definitely one strategy that will definitely work. And then some of the red flags we talked about was really just you no know, character flaws. So if you ask them a question and they either refuse to answer it or they do answer it, and you can obviously tell they're kind of making up an answer on the fly. What you want to see is obviously them knowing the answer, but if they don't, at least saying, you know what, I'm not sure they answered that question, but I'm going to go look it up and I'll get back to you within a few hours or something like that. And just kind of trust your gut. And if you feel like it's someone that's not trustworthy, that's definitely a red flag. And then we transitioned into talking about active investing. And he provided some solid advice about how someone who has never syndicated a deal before can attract capital from friends and family. And you mentioned you need to focus on what you have done in the past. And so if you've done real estate deals, focus on that. If you've started businesses before, focus on that. And in particular, focus on the skills that you've learned from those experiences and how that will help you conserve and obviously make them money. We also talked about how you found your business partner and some tips on forming syndication partnerships on the GP side, so finding a GP to work with. And it really comes down to spending time with them and not rushing into it and making sure that your values and kind of your core missions are aligned. And again, going back to that trust factor. And then you mentioned that you actually met your business partner at a meetup group, which is pretty cool. Then you mentioned lastly about finding deals. And so your first 40 unit was kind of a right time, right place deal, but you talked about on the 128 unit, how you found it through hustling. So your business partner said, hey, we're going here tomorrow. I'll see you at 3 a.m. You drove there at 3 a.m. You visited the comps, you drove the property on the way back, that five hour drive, you underwrote the entire time and were able to get your offer in before you had to go to that best and final sell around. And something else interesting that you mentioned was most people want to find those off market deals from brokers. And most brokers are gonna wanna see some sort of track record. And it seems, at least for you, you know, one deal was enough to start getting a lot more attention from brokers and seeing more off-market deals. So I'm sure a lot of people who are listening, that's something they like to hear. Just do one deal and then you can have the chance of getting those off-market opportunities. And then lastly, your best ever advice, which kind of summarizes everything you've talked about, which is hustle and be creative about your solutions and plenty of examples of that throughout the conversation. So I appreciate it, Gary. Again, you guys can say hi to him at breakofdaycapital.com and he also provided his email address. Thanks for joining us today. Have the best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Neil. Have you heard about the latest podcast for entrepreneurs called Tough Decisions? Listen to Dan and Danae Hanford as they interview successful people from around the world about tough decisions as entrepreneurs. Visit toughdecisions.net and be sure to subscribe to their free weekly entrepreneurial email. That's toughdecisions.net.